Trigger, trigger on. on! Welcome, dear all, to the Duck Face Diaries. We are a World Trigger read-through podcast aiming to discuss the World Trigger manga volume by volume. Volume. Oh, what, what the fuck was that? Uh, we are a World Trigger read-through podcast aiming to discover... <laughs> 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 Shit! Shit! <laughs> <laughs> uh, volume by volume, I'm Wesdale Cheddar. And I'm Hoven with an H, and this month we're tackling volume 19, which covers chapters 61 to... Wow, not that, that early. Um, 161 <laughs> to 169, and is adapted across episodes <laughs> nice, one, nice, nice. 1 to 4 of season 3 of the anime. Oh my god, we got to season 3 already. Yeah. Amazing. We are the dreamers. So is the trigger. Uh, that that's not the opening for the season. What am I talking no, about? No, it's eh eh eh. Is that one? It is eh 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 eh. Changes the new world. That's how it goes, right? Right, right. Sure. How have you been doing? <laughs> been doing all right. Yeah, pro- progressing nicely through uh, Dragon Quest and Yu Yu Hakusho. Not sure which I'm going to finish first because. I get through Show more slowly, but more consistently, but Dragon Quest, whenever I play it, I play a lot of it, so that'll be interesting. How have you been? I can actually follow up on your thread with with some gaming news. I, I too, am a huge Mother 3 fan. First time playing Mother 3. <laughs> yes. No, we both got started on that, didn't we? Uh, it's been quite a fun experience, but especially with how chaotic the pacing is uh, regarding which protagonist you uh, you play as. The introduction of the game is, is very different to Earthbound. Um, you don't just get going with Lucas like you did with Ness. I'm very excited to keep playing because I've watched Chugga Conroy's Let's Play of it twice, but I think both times were about 10 years ago. <laughs> so I, there are large chunks of the game I remember quite clearly, and there are others that I don't. And I'm intro- and it's going to be interesting to rediscover. Uh, and of course, we're playing that uh, that alongside Spain Asher, so shout out. Hmm. I forgot actually, what, uh, uh, what did we name Lucas? We named Lucas Edam. Oh yeah, because they, uh, we named all the family after cheeses. Yes. Okay, <laughs> it's um, it, uh, it's funny now. In retrospect, I think we should have named him Koarai, but because uh, <laughs> once I've been reading this volume, oh yeah, they look basically the same, right? <laughs> it's funny, Koarai and Okudara are appearance-wise like Lucas and Klaus, but switched personality-wise. Oh. I, I, I thought uh, Okudarika kind of looks more like Ness, uh, I suppose. Yeah, actually, the hair colour matches up more with Ness. We named uh, Ness Loch, and, and, for, and for a moment there I was like, wait, wait, which was the canon name? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, since we're talking about the volume, uh, we should probably uh, discuss it. So today we're uh, talking about volume 19, uh, story and art done as usual by Daisuke Ashihara, translated, of course, by uh, Toshikazu Aizawa, and first time Caleb Cook. Touch-up and lettering uh, done by the great Ace Core Chrisman. Uh, design uh, by Julian J.R. Robinson and edited by Ray First. So we're going to first uh, do um, a bit of a volume summary, then move on to our general thoughts. Sadly, we'll go into it later, but sadly, a uh, fond farewell to Arty Horror Commons Corner. Do you have any notes for a spoiler corner? I guess I think I can save spoilery stuff for when it occurs in a later volume, so... Uh, yeah, I'll just refer back to this one. So all right, so so we making revolutionary things, and we're we're probably moving on straight onto the Q and A after the general thoughts. So if you're ready to go, then let's start. Let's do it.
so last week you left off our adventure. Um, I, I still don't know if this is the phrase. Osama Seymour was waiting at Tamakoma base for the senior members returning from a scouting mission. Uh, Yuri the operator and Cronin the engineer. Uh, so composed beefcake seems especially um, uncomposed by the thought of Yuri visiting as he urges the, uh, the newbies to be on the best behavior, even adjusting uh, Chika's color. Um, so it turns out that the big goober has a big old crush on her. Um, his face seems to turn especially demonic uh, when the resident five-year-old Yotaro suggests that she and Chika are part of his harem. Meanwhile, the resident Canadian neighbor, Cronin, um, meets his fake nephew, Hughes, as he decides on the backstory. Usami sets up the stakes for the next match. The fighting Kagura, Azuma and Suzunari want squads, and they have to have at least five more points to have a chance at second place. They need to earn at least one more point than Kagura. Uh, Cronin uh, takes Hughes to figure out his trigger set. Uh, specifically, he wants to have Kagetsu as his blade, Viper as his projectile trigger, and surprisingly, Eskado, the materialized immobile shield trigger. Cronin mentions uh, it's kind of outdated, so it consumes a it consumes a lot of Trion, which is why people often forego it, but Hughes simply mentions it's something that Tamakoma needs. Chika, Yuri, and Beefcake help Osama move in, uh, so since Tamakoma base is closer to HQ than his house, uh, it's more practical for him to live there. When Osama examines the door to his new room, he discovers the nameplate of the previous occupants, Kido, Border's current commander-in-chief. Um, Osama discovers a group photo of old border at Tamakoma base. There are some familiar faces, there's Tiny Konami, there's uh, Rindo, there's uh, Beefcake uh, blushing at Yuri, there's Jin. When he shows the photo to Yuri, she points out Kido as well, a smiling jovial man whose face is full of hope, so different from the scarred grouch he is today. Uh, Yuri reveals that this building used to be border HQ before the organization was revealed to the public. Kido, Shinoda, and a man called Kiriyama all moved to HQ when it was built. Uh, one girl called uh, Mato left border altogether, while the other ten unfamiliar faces all kicked the bucket in a big battle five years ago, some turning to black triggers. Yuri explains that Tamakoma's emblem was originally the old border emblem and that it represented a boundary between Earth and the three allied nations in the neighborhood. The purpose of old border was to connect the world with the neighbors, you know, like those bridges Osamu likes so much. But Kido betrayed that, adopting a nationalist stance of all neighbors being enemies, because fear-mongering allows for easy recruitment drive. Uh, Yuri's like, um, but still, we should work with fascists, otherwise we won't be able to defend ourselves. We should, like, blame ourselves for not creating a perfect solution for us, and neighbors coexisting. <laughs> Yay for guilt and self-loathing! But uh-oh, Konami appears, and she's embarrassed to see her old, old photo where she's clinging to Rindo's leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hughes seems to have lo um, lost mo most of the practice rounds against Yuma. He struggles a bit with Viper control since it's difficult to use, but Cronin says he'll get better at it thanks to his horns. Uh, Yuma and Chika head to some joint training and some mm, solo rank wars. Uh, the former uh, has evening plans to go to Kagura's house for a sleepover. What am I talking about? Not a, it's not actually a sleepover here. He just goes to his restaurant for a, for a dinner. <laughs> the snipers do a radar training exercise, and Isaho does quite well. 
um, uh, Oki appears and uh, is a bit of a creep to Chika, but Yuzuru comes to her rescue and uh, calls human resources because she works at Activision Blizzard. Kage texts Emma to come uh, over to his place and to Toma comes with. The girls stay behind to train um, some more while Akane just says, Kitty! At the Kage family restaurant, Kage says that uh, why he likes fighting with Yuma so much uh, it's because he doesn't read any killing intent before his attacks, which makes it more thrilling for him. Uh, then he just reveals out of the blue that Emma has a crush on Chika, to which Yuma has the best response. Ah, good eye. She's a nice and uh, determined lady. <laughs> Uh, when throwing the match uh, comes into question, Yuma says Yuzuru doesn't need to do that. Uh, Chika's place is guaranteed on the ship no matter whether Osama and Yuma come or not. Yuzuru is still hesitating though. Uh, wouldn't Chika feel better with her team on board? Or well, random stranger with red hair, who totally isn't just Arafune, uh, with his hat off, and I didn't realise. Anyway, the, the stranger with the red hair has a solution. Uh, he just came by the restaurant. <laughs> And just has a solution. There we go. Um, so Emma can just join the away team solo so he can support Chika. And as Emma thinks about that, Yuma says it doesn't really matter to Tamakoma, because no matter what he chooses, Yuma says they're going to win. So em Emma walks in with a mischievous grin. No, sorry. Emma walks away, determined. Um... Emma walks off with a determined scoff. <laughs> exactly. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the conversation uh, turns to discussing another uh, certain someone who holds back uh, in battles, Chika herself. The number one sniper Toma, uh, who has been observing her both during rank wars and training, uh, posits that uh, Chika can definitely shoot people, just doesn't want to. Uh, some people just aren't fighters and uh, take the operator or engineer route, and that's okay. But Chika, she ain't like that. Uh, she's a fighter and when cornered, she will come through. Essentially, Toma's like, Chika can shoot, change my mind! Uh, the conversation trails off as the titular operator of the second opening of a world trigger, Hikari Nire, arrives to cheer up mm, some gloomy lads. Uh, so the evening comes to a close as Yuma decides on relaying this back to Osamu. Uh, Four Eyes seems to be hesitant with regard to pressing Chika, and uh, instead is worried about the upcoming opponent's growth and uh, possible counters to the wire strategy. Uh, so the next morning, Morning, Usami dissuades Osama from shaking things up with a new trigger, as he doesn't uh, have the triumph for it, with a nice little visual metaphor of chipping away at dough, uh, just like equipped triggers do with triumph. Everyone assures Osama that uh, with Hughes, they'll have more than a chance, but something is still eating at him inside. Uh, but with Jin's advice not to waver, he gets ready for the battle about to come. The commentary team uh, assembles, led this time by the mysterious Katagiri squad operator, Yuitsuka, who has to patiently endure Inakai joking about her hitting on uh, middle school students, and uh, Arashiyama laughing nervously as he recalls himself hitting on uh, middle school students, so lovely bunch. I just realised that, that I wrote Arashiyama as Ashihara again. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Rest in peace to the Arashiyama comments corner as well. <laughs> So all the squads are in the strategy rooms and react to Hugh's uh, sudden addition to the Tamakoma. Uh, nevertheless, everyone seems ready to face them, especially Suzunari One, who boasts uh, a yet unrevealed special formation. As the underdogs in this match, they pick the map, Cityscape D, a vertical map full of buildings, uh, tall buildings and broad streets centered around a giant shopping mall. Uh, Usami draws attention to the fact that snipers like Chika might have a hard time being useful uh, on this map since all the battles takes place inside. 
Uh, Hughes challenges Osamu to decide on something, and he goes, Osamu, we're running short in time. If you're a commander, then command. Skitty, 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 skitty. <laughs> so Osamu decides to forego the wise strategy for um, of, for this map, as, um, as a defensive play could be easily countered on this map, uh, especially since everyone knows Mikomo's squad needs to earn points. Hughes is decided as the secret weapon this round. Uh, still only known as a Kagetsu user, his Viper could be uh, the surprise that turns the tide against Kageyura's squad. Onchika opts to stay outside to provide uh, blast support. Over at the B rank number 2 squad, Yuzuru decides to go in and forego sniping to find Gunner Style. Um, all squads make their plans for the match. Azuma wants to measure how the younglings have grown, while Kurumas counts on Taichi to ensure the new strategy's success. Finally, it's time to begin the transmission. The nighttime more battle begins. The teams arrive, with Tamakoma 2 split up from the from each other, as the commentators speculate Suzunari 1's approach. Ashiar Oh, Arashiyama <laughs> suspects the use of nighttime is meant to preoccupy operators by making them have to adjust their agent's view with the lighting constantly. At Osamu's call, Chika moves outside while Hughes and Yuma move to meet each other in the in the you, uh, sorry move to meet each other in the mall or from from the floor and roof respectively. Kageura Spider-Man's over to the big building as Zoe engages Ko from one of its upper floors. The action continues to move into the mall as Taichi attempts to stealth past Korai on one of the lower floors. Okudera, meanwhile, is following Azuma's guidance of distracting the operators by deactivating and reactivating bagworm at various intervals. Midway up the mall, Kagi and Zoe engage in a firefight with Ko and Kuruma from across the atrium. Uh, Osamu runs into Okudera lower down, and the Azuma squad attacker engages him. The rest of Azuma squad start to close in on this skirmish. In commenting on the new strategy Suzunari 1 have, Inukai calls attention to Ko's new Black Kagetsu. Ko and Kageyora seem easily matched, with Kage's DPS up against Ko's solid defense. <laughs> this leads the deciding factor to their respective support, which seems to be going in Kitazoe's favor. Until Kuruma whips out a second gun, abandoning his shield. While Ko provides an ideal protection for them, the two advance upon the enemy slowly and steadily, and the commentators remark on their newfound strength in midrange. Ashihara, you'd better make another briefing file stat. <laughs> um, Kageyora calls for a retreat. Meanwhile, Osamu flees Okudera, filling his path with spider wires, but is cut off by Korai, who he slams into the rails of the atrium with his thruster. I will note, I I, I never realized that atrium could be used for, for something else other than uh, like a uh, an ancient Roman villa. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it's used for like a section of the human heart as well. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. However, um, Ima cuts off his next path in an attempt to snipe both him and Korai at the same time, leading to him to slam the blonde attacker over the railing mid-dodge in an attempt to deprive Kageyora squad of points. Just as a firefight breaks out, Taichi causes a power outage on the lower floors, and Ima takes advantage of all the chaos to shoot off Osamu's arms. Uh, he later on calls a crawls away from the fray. In a brief flashback, we learn that the switchbox fiddling was Taichi's plan from the start, right down to the very selection of the map. And not a moment too soon, as the tables have turned for Koen Kuruma upstairs. The fight moves into a cramped kitchen, giving Kageyura's unpredictable strikes an advantage. The Black Kagetsu further camouflages Ko for a minute, and the fight becomes more even yet again. 
But then, Taichi flips the lights back on, momentarily blinding Kage. Yuzuru attempts to shoot at the switch box, but is blocked by an Escudo. Wait, wait is it switch box as in the trigger switch box, or, or, or like a regular switch box? Regular switch box. I know my wording has made this very confusing. The power room. Let's okay. call it that. Um, um, I'm just thinking in terms of an actual fuse mm, box. Okay. <laughs> Realising that the solution was tougher than expected, Kizazoe makes the judgement call of shooting the lights above to remove the changing power status from uh, the battle equation. However, Taichi gets wind of pursuers and tries to make a run for it, only to be cut off by Hughes's Escudo. He and Yuma have met, and are ready to begin their counter-attack. Oh my god, with the switch box, uh, are Taichi's special tactics, they're gonna skyrocket! <laughs> general thoughts? Alright, let's move on to general thoughts. I think the most important takeaway of this volume is this made me crave okonomiyaki. Let me have Japanese bubble and squeak, please. I've spent the whole, all of Wednesdaydale's part of the recap just googling okonomiyaki places in my city. <laughs> um, because it sounds nice. It sounds like the kind of thing I'd like. This is a very oddly paced volume. Um, it's like, I, it's a, it's one of the more like downtime heavy. I want to say. There's a lot of time spent with just kind of the squads getting to grips with things and strategizing. I'd say this, even even once it gets to the fight, where it does pick up quite a bit, there is a lot of focus on what the operators say, even more so than usual. But I do really like a lot of the um, how the fight works. I think this is one of the few, um, the few instances where the operators are act an active part in one of the team's strategies, and that's that's quite mm -hmm. neat. Yeah, I, I thought it was not a great volume structure-wise, but I really like this uh, as a set of chapters. Like, the reveals in this are, mm -hmm. like, half of what we've been alluding thus far in Spoiler Corner, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a while since we had some, like, some proper focus on the differences between the border factions. Uh, so I thought it was well done. Mm. Uh, I think that this is this is around the point where when uh, when we switch off to a monthly release uh, rather than rather than weekly of chapters. Uh, yes. and, and I I didn't th think it was a bad way to go. As you did, I I like that by necessity this match has a strong uh, focus on Usami because uh, because of the lights. Um, I wish that there was kind of more of it and like more of her truly becoming like part of Tamakoma 2, now, now that Yuri has come back as the operator for Tamakoma 1, which I still assume that that is the case. No, it's it's interesting you mentioned the um, the monthly release, because yeah, this is the volume where the massive hiatus happens, slap bang in the middle of it, and I think I think the chapter comeback was the um, one of the like pre-battle strategy ones. It might have been the one right before the start of the match. Um, it's it's a pretty seamless transition. You don't really notice any difference. I kind of noticed, to be honest, but, but because the, uh, this is where I, uh, I I kind of thought the the thing that they are doing right now, like discussing all the different possibilities uh, that could happen during this battle. Uh, this is kind of what what people the audience has been complaining about uh, uh, sometimes that that uh, that uh, that Ashihara does does tend to like discuss all the possibilities uh, bef before they appear in a match. Uh, I guess uh, it seemed more pronounced here like if if you understand that that's yeah this is this is the comeback for ashihara mm. this is like where um he ha he has to remind himself uh, of his writing and uh, and and how he writes battles and and so on it's kind of understandable how, how like this lead into 
uh, to the ba- battle is perhaps maybe a bit longer th- th- than than all the other ones had. Yeah, it is. It is strange. It's like there's a long lead into the battle, and this is only the pen the pen the penultimate battle before in within Tamakoma's time limit. So it does feel a bit strange that there's so much set up for it, but. Um, some some of it some of it spent on um on decent stuff. Uh, I like yeah, like I said, I like the Okonomiyaki scene. I really like the scene where Chika, sorry, not Chika, uh, Shiori outlined kind of a metaphor for how Trion works and why adding loads more triggers for Osami wouldn't be very useful. And using like the little dough cutouts to do it. Why didn't Osami get the get the cover over Murakami? Yeah, I, I I think that this would have been a good volume for for us, since like she's prominent in in many different ways. Yeah, there, there's a lot of thought put into Osama's strategy this volume, and like using only squads that Tamakoma had already fought. Uh, this match was uh, a great cho- choice to show how much he's grown. Uh, since like he's able to make up for the tactics uh, for the map uh, just before the transfer, basically on the fly, he's able to consider his opponent's growth and even uh, give up the wire strategy, which made him prominent for a different approach. Yeah, he also heeds Hughes's wish and has leaves a lot of his tactics factoring in the newcomer's discretion. So you know, you decide when you get your first surprise takedown. I just advise that you do it carefully. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah, and especially with the, with the wire thing, he manages uh, with both actually. He, he manages to forego his ego and his personal growth to find an effective counter for the match. This is where I kind of think that that those uh, little silly mistakes that Osama has been making um, as a novice before they have the same kind of uh, underdog quality that that his uh, general weakness offered, and uh, and like the, this match and how he approaches it. Uh, emphasize how how much he's grown strong. To be honest, uh, I didn't really pay attention to that all that much, but he's grown in combat too. Like, it seems like he's hmm. grown more accustomed to using Spider on the fly to hinder attackers. Yeah. A lot of the maneuvers here were very impressive, to be honest. Like, like the ways he was using Thruster. When it comes to, like, uh, uh, Okada- o- Okadera chasing him, him on the stairs, uh, and, and, and him just, uh, boom, uh, th- there's a wire, there's a wire, there's a wire, uh, this slows you down. He also beca- became, like, agile-, agile enough to survive a pincer of two attackers and one sniper, which is, like, damn. On the note of, um... The picture of uh, the, the the illumination of of Kido's um, past. Um, we see one guy in the picture who, in the anime, looks a lot like they could be Kazuma's dad. It's one of the ones who's dead, but he has like the spiky hair and the red eyes. So that makes me think that maybe that maybe that was the intention of of just like a little background detail. It's oh, Kazuma's dad got died in the war. <laughs> I think that there was Kazuma's brother, because like we had a scene with Kazuma earlier on when he compared himself to Miwa. Uh, that no, he um, uh, he he doesn't he doesn't feel any uh, need for revenge for for what happened to his brother during the war. Um, um, he uh, he he only wants to do his duty um, as uh, during the. During the time, uh, I think I think it was after um, after the top three squads all f- fought Jin. Right, yeah, which I guess would make sense if it was like rather than die in an attack, like his brother died in a war to help other neighbors. So that would inform his personality in a slightly different way to how the attack informed Muas. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Kiriyama is probably the one named character in Kido's picture who's still active in Border that we've not seen yet. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if perhaps, just a hypothetical, we might get his introduction if Kido's backstory ever becomes the focus again. Uh, maybe he could be there as kind of a character to relay, like, oh yeah, so it went like, it went like this X, Y, and Z. <laughs> this is how it went. Oh, wait, wait, you don't want Randall's movie idea to come to fruition. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was wondering about Kuriyama as well, so I can cross that note out. <laughs> Uh, I, I do love, like, coming back to the match, I do, I do love the energy of the commentary team, uh, getting, like, more and more interested at uh, what Tai what exactly Taichi is up to. Mm. Uh, the, uh, this, this kind of wacky reveal, um, this kind of wacky mystery being slowly revealed uh, over the course of the time. Yeah, it's like, initially I'm th- you're thinking, like, oh, okay, he's just trying to avoid them and regroup with the others, but then, no, that's that's not it at all. Osami being surprised at Okudera um, just appearing be- beside uh, Osama was, uh, 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 was a was adorable. I uh, I forgot to mention it last time, when, before when we were talking about Isami. So I think the lights off, um, the switch, the the power, the turning the power off maneuver would have been a really cool thing to end, like a, a, an episode or a volume. And in both cases, it's not quite there. Like for the volume, it's just a little extra chapter, and then in the anime. It, I think it, it stops just slightly before it happens. One of the one of the episodes. So it's like ah, oh, could have been a great cliffhanger, but but it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> to, except in weekly chapter form. Mm, yeah, I can see that. It's the first time we're seeing uh, someone from Katagiri Squad, apart from the one early appearance of Ka- Katagiri, uh, in which he looked completely different. Uh, the the, uh, the the Virgin Katagiri, not the Chant Katagiri. Uh, Yuitsuka also apparently used to be on Azuma Squad. Um, I do wonder how many students um, Azuma had, and if, if she was at, uh, on the same squad uh, with yeah. Miwa, Ninamiya, and Kako, or if um, that was a different one, and Azuma... Uh, like had many many squads before. I, I can't wait for World Trigger. F- I can't. Wh- why didn't I suggest this for the the movie idea for World Trigger Film A, where it's set several years in the future, where Azuma has joined the neighbors and joined his own rival faction, and all of his students have to come and and fight him one last time. And it, it's it's base it's 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 film set, but 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 for but for World Trigger. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I thought that the operator for old Azuma Squad was Tsukimi from uh, from Miwa Squad, but uh, I uh, people in the comments correct me afterwards. Um, it's it's also a nice excuse for for like not seeing those squads before Kusakabe and Katagiri squads uh, because Yuri mentions that uh, them they were during uh, they were with them during the scouting mission. At first, I was not sure if uh, like she was sc- scouting them as potential new members of Tamakama Branch, but but yeah, I think they were just away in other mm. prefectures together. Yeah, um, I remember. The first few times I went through this, I, there was a bit of confusion over the comment from, um, like, the the point tally discussion, where they said, oh, over the next two matches, we need to get five points more than Kageyura Squad, where it's like, wait, what? No, you just need to have more points than them. And I think it's just occurred to me, what they meant was, is they need to gain five more points than Kageyura Squad gains, is what is meant there. Oh! 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 Oh, that makes sense. Okay. 
the wording does throw you off. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, that does make more, more sense, definitely. I can't read Yotaro saying she's going to be my wife without like uh, hearing Borat's voice. I was wondering which of the people on the picture, coming back to that, is uh, Soichi Megami, Jim's, Jim's master. Hmm. And I feel silly for like checking it on the wiki. Uh, like, of course, he's the fair haired one with the sunglasses because Jin inherited his sunglasses. Yes, it's like it's like inheriting the straw hat. And then at the end of the story, Jin, who, who does Jin give his sunglasses to at the end of the story? <laughs> Mogami comes back to life. <laughs> I'll be taking those. Thank you. <laughs> Snatches them away. Uh, I was searching for Yugo as well, but uh, I don't think he's there. No. He wasn't on the picture, at least. Yuma being happy at having a neighbor friend was very cute. I, 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 I like that moment. Mikado first high school. Okay, I don't know much about the, how Japanese cities usually name schools, but this just seems to reflect how incredibly regimented this city is. Everything is named after, like, a number or a ranking. <laughs> I found that quite amusing. I don't think so, because, like, what we have uh, numbered schools as well. I, I feel like it's a normal thing. Really? I mean, I guess, I, I don't know, so is, this is a thing in Poland, then, because I... I'm not talking like primary school and secondary school because that's just in like that just describes like the the level of education like in terms of like how what, what age bracket whereas this I, it seems to be implying like the actual like prestige of the school like like how it performs um no, it's 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 normal, but but I don't think it even has to be like the procedure of the school. It's just categori uh, categorizations. For example, like I I went to a primary school um, number thirty two. Then I uh, I went to another school uh, which was number six. Uh, then I went to another school uh, which was number one because it was in the countryside and there was only one school. All right. And then I went to um, to a high school n number um, to a high school which was. Uh, also number six, yeah. so, so okay, it came back to that basically. Maybe, maybe London's the we or England's the weird one for having all the high schools named after like people's names or famous places or something. We also have that. We we just have the number before that. So, so it was like like the school number six in the name of. Stanislav Stashitz or Adam Mickiewicz or whatever. I don't know much about other countries to be honest. There was one called the Dragon School, which I was always like, damn. They, they 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 got a heck of a name, the Dragon School. <laughs> Amazing. <clears throat> I do like Taiichi's morbid plan of poisoning the other operators. And the fact that the operator doesn't like oppose it too strongly on moral grounds, you're just like that might not work. <laughs> uh, it might be not be the most practical thing, uh, but yeah, he also has some practical ideas. I mean, he came up with Eskido just like uh, just like Hughes did. On like a serious note, one thing I liked is that with the arc that Yuzuru is going through, we kind of see how Chika and, and him are similar, in that they're the kind of person who will sacrifice their own well-being and standing for the sake of others, um, in how he wants to just... He is tempted to just throw the match and his own standing within border in order to get her to make sure that she can go on the trip. Yeah, and also him, like, uh, uh, opting to, like, get inside them all rather than uh, rather than uh, snipe safety from outside. Uh, speaking of snipers, Akane is very funny this volume. The, like the, the way she jumps at Oki to be like, oh, what about what about me? Am I a little system material? Pick me, pick me. Uh, sure. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> One we don't stand is Hakari. Uh, this volume because he was body shaming Kitazoe. Uh, we don't like that. 
No, no, thank you. Everybody uh, just fucking body shames Kitazawa at this point. Uh, Inukai. Inukai, yeah. Uh, he also d does it during the commentary. Yeah, I mean, in the an I don't know, in the anime delivery, like, it didn't seem as bad. It, it felt more, like, neutrally descriptive, like, he is a big target, which is true. Like, that's not really making a judgment on his size, that's just kind of commenting on what disadvantages he would have. Although, like, given the fact that that, that uh, people are known to, like, modify the, 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 trine, uh, the trine body appearances, good on Kitazoe for being proud uh, proud about his body. Yeah. Nice. I also just really like that he's, he is a very disarmingly smart character, because he has such a goofy disposition and just seems to kind of bounce through everything, but he's really good at making judgement calls in, in battle, like with the lights. Uh, like Zoe reaching out from the panel with his boot as he shoots at Ko down below. Uh, it's an incredibly dynamic shot and the perspective is just lovely, especially since like he's uh, aiming up as, as he shoots down. Well, this is very nice. <laughs> Um, clearly Oji is having a negative influence on Hikari with her nickname, uh, c calling calling the body shamer Pokari instead. <laughs> oh, I, I think we uh, talked about it on the WMR server a while ago. Like, Pokari is... Uh... It's a type of drink, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I think, I, I don't know, we may have talked about it on the podcast, but I, uh, but I think in some contexts, her can be pronounced as per. I think it's like an allophonic difference or something like that. The her sounds are uh, are written in hiragana exactly the, uh, the same as per sounds, but the per ah, sounds have, I mean, the per yeah, syllables have a little circle um, on the right, I think. This, this is just something I vaguely remember, and uh, I'm terribly sorry for my ignorance. Yeah, I've, so I've also got a few notes on the anime uh, version of this. Um, it's not like the most... It, compared to the fight that follows and some from the, the last season, it's not the most Sakuga-filled, but that kind of makes sense with the stop-starting nature of the fights. I can see why this is one that they might not want to put all of their resources into it. Um... A few details I like are, like, there's this fuzzy perspective shot of Yuri as she's running past Reiji to kind of emphasize his crush. I just thought that was very very cute. <laughs> it's a very cute scene in general for him. <laughs> it's also just really funny that she has this such an ara-ara voice due to being at the ripe old age of 24. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh... Uh, we are ancient. I mean, I see you, 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 you laugh at that. I'm more laughing at this manga's perspective of age, but or manga in general's perspective of age. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I'm more optimistic on the front that front. So the night vision looks really, really cool. I think they give him these glowing green eyes. Uh, I'd love to see some more of it. Um, although I don't think there are any other opportunities in the story. So I guess if we get an away mission season in ten years. And they use the the night vision there. We can get that. And in, in these episodes, there, there might not be many Sakuga moments, but but uh, when it goes when it goes to the match exactly like, like the second and third season of the World Trigger anime, it looks really good during the night. One one thing that we need to we need to find a gif of is Kuga eating the Ono Miyaki. Like it's a very it's a very cute gif. I think that's. That's definitely birthday tweet material. Which, by the way, ch check out Duckface Diaries. Uh, uh, every time a character has a birthday, um, Hoven sets up a, a tweet for it, and, and they are very nice. Yes. I keep going at it until I run out of images and GIFs to use that are any good. <laughs> uh, and I guess on a more negative note, I'm a bit disappointed that the anime didn't smooth over the transition between Kuruma abandoning his shield and pulling out the gun. Much like in the manga, the shield is just suddenly gone and the gun materialises. And I think you could have done a cool little 
maneuver with that, maybe. Ah, um, oh, that's a shame. When it comes to Toma's monologue on how Chica's a fighter and def she definitely has the capability to shoot people, I think it's one of the best speeches in the manga and uh, it was very nice to recap that. I found another case of anime Wokadonalds. Uh, so uh, Emma has a Den laptop, uh, D for Delta, E for Echo, N for November, L for Lima. <laughs> Um, so I just got why Yuma and Hughes had a black uniform as C-Ranks. It's probably because they were recruited through Tamakoma, and that, that's why they, they had the old emblem. So m maybe the black uniform was, was like an older recruitment uniform uh, for uh, for C-Ranks. As you said before, I do love Kagura's use of Mantis for fighter manning across the buildings. It's really cool. <laughs> Uh, one th one thing I'm, uh, I'm I think was a missed opportunity. Um, I forgot all about the black Getsu. I can't believe that they didn't like uh, they, they didn't like uh, make it lead kagetsu or something like that, but because uh, we know how lead bullets affect triggers. Yeah, I, I was expecting to uh, uh, for there to be something more special about it, but yeah, it's, it's just a color to help with the dark vision, and that that makes sense. All right, I think that's um, all my notes. Alright, shall we move to the Q&A section? Um, yeah, j just a quick note on the Ashihara Comments Corner. There's there's no uh, special intro for that, no, no intro music. Uh, so this is the point where we uh, got the return of the series from the hiatus and the chapter in the vaults uh, uh, from the new release. So uh, there, there will be no Ashihara uh, Comments Corner for now. Um, I'm going to... We're going to forgo the author notes and volume extras uh, for now since, like, the... Um, I've kind of noticed that the podcasts are getting long, long enough, um, and uh, once we catch up with uh, with the manga material, um, I think we are going to cover the author notes in a bonus episode. Um, so this will probably be released on Patreon um, once we get to that. I'm uh, I'm planning to I'm planning to actually actually make some bonus episodes, and and it's been a long time coming to, um, since that. Especially um, so one idea I had was was covering the one shots Trigger Keeper Room three oh three. I I believe that was it, and uh, and Talented Elite Jin. Um, I really wanted to do that, and maybe. Um, and I'm saying it may be uh, a special episode on Superdog Rillenthal. I would de definitely like to cover that one way uh, or another. Patreon.com slash Wednesdaydale Cheddar. Uh, the, the, these things are not there yet. Uh, there the might be in the future. I'll probably release those on the $6 tier. For now, uh, the Ashikara uh, Comments Corner is gone. Rest in peace. I, I did make some notes about the, the stuff at the start of the volume that, that are available in the previews. I do uh, like how Ashikara's cat... Uh, we mentioned, mentioned that before. Uh, Ashihara's cats imitates all the poses of the characters on the cover, but this one's contrast is really special because Ko is doing like a winter is coming pose with his kogetsu, while the, the cat is uh, just supporting himself on a cane. So, so this, so this is something something that may have been a mistake. Uh, the, the position category uh, shows Kitora as the attacker, even though she's an all rounder, which is kind of fair because like everyone in A rank is apparently an all rounder. Kuruma squad is officially the most sweaty squad because Karuma has not one but two sweat drops in his character panel and even Ko has a few um, and and yeah that that's um, that's all of it that's all of the Ashihamura comments corner right now let's move to the Q&A right so we have one from Arcus Rhapsody uh, on the World Trigger Discord, or is it? No, it's on the WMR Discord, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the WMR Discord. Uh, I, I did like, uh, I did like how you keep calling him Arcus Rhapsody, even, even though it's not in his name anymore. He asks, 
What do you think of the squad dynamic after Hughes joined? Uh, so it was surprisingly difficult for me to answer that. Um, like, uh, I think the dynamic comes through the strongest with Hughes's comedic down-to-earth moments, such as like him learning how to ride a bike later or uh, breaking the microwave. Arguably, it's honestly funnier when he interacts with the rest of uh, Tamakoma and not just uh, Osama's squad. So as for dramatic stuff, I... And I think he definitely has sh shaking things up in small ways that I've only noticed after the fact, like challenging Osama and Chika to move out of the comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I struck me the most, because um, when she appeared on the podcast, some listeners might remember that Kendra had a bit of a gripe with how Tamakoma don't really talk to each other. I guess he kind of mm -hmm. about problems and he's kind of a social lubricant in that way. Um, actually, my spoiler comment for this this whole volume was going to be that the idea of cornering Chica that Toma raises, it actually is something that is not paid off in battle, but in conversation with Hughes when he really presses her on her ability to shoot people. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to see some more of him in, in fights with them, for sure, but like... Yeah, I think he's he's definitely shaken up the team dynamic in an interesting way. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I do definitely agree with with the uh, with the problem of Tamakoma not not really talking that much apart, apart from uh, dis discussing strategy. And I think some stuff in the uh, in the coming volumes is definitely gonna be an improvement on that front. So yeah, uh, good stuff there. All right, uh, yeah, ready to round off. Let's do it. So, that is going to do it for the 19th episode of Duckface Diaries. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search for Duckface Diaries and it will be there. Links to all the platforms are at patreon.com slash Cheddar. Everything is in the pinned post. That's also what helps me pay the bills. So if you want me to devote more time to making the show better, consider supporting me there. In return, you can get your name in the YouTube credits or a World Trigger Duckface avatar. Uh, plus, you can help me reach more ambitious goals like reviving World Trigger Ridged. Uh, remember that much like the neighborhood, the YouTube algorithm is a dark abyss of sorrows and woes from which channels like these never surface. And what helps us navigate it is liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast with a friend. On the YouTube channel and the same RSS feed, you get access to not only Duckface Diaries, but Manga Mosaic, a collection of podcasts and video essays on other manga titles, short and long alike. Uh, on the same channel, you can find the introductory episode of Podcast Mon Adventures, our new retrospective where we cover the Pokemon special manga arc by arc. And I finally, finally got the volumes that I ordered like a few months ago, and I'm so happy, uh, finally, I can get to making the, the notes for it. Hoven, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Hoven with an H on YouTube, uh, where we have our sister show, Ho Hoven's Hideaway, where we talk about all sorts of topics, mainly anime and manga related. Uh, and yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Hoven with an H. Alrighty then, and once again, uh, you can find all the links uh, to that in the description or in the pin post at patreon.com slash Cheddar. Send us emails, questions, comments, suggestions at wednesdale 12 at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Duckface Diaries or individual Twitters at Wensley Cheddar and at Hoven with an H. And we're always happy to receive your questions. A sincere thank you to Milo Jack Stillitz, who composed our ending theme and orchestral rendition of Girigiri, the first opening sequence for World Trigger. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash Milo Jack Stillitz. What are we covering next time? Next time we'll be looking at volume 20, which covers chapters 170 to 178. 
and in the anime, that is the rest of Season 3, Episode 4, to the start of Episode 8. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to covering that, especially uh, with the guests that, that, that we're planning to have on. Uh, you know what's, uh, what else uh, I'm looking forward to? What's that? Play Mother 3. Uh, uh, seriously, can you find some time to to, uh, uh, to play Mother 3 tonight? Please, please, I, I, I beg of you. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I need this. I, 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 I just need this. <laughs> please, let me voice Kum uh, Kumatora as, as Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho. Please, I need this. Okay. I'll see what I'll see what I can do. This was the 19th episode of Duckface Diaries, and as always, it's time to bugger, bugger off. off.